0: How are you?
1: Good, good. How are you, Jaime?
0: I'm well. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm really, really excited to get to talk to you about all kinds of things uh, writing, acting, music as well, voiceover. It seems like there's a lot of stuff going on in your realm. So I'm really excited to get to see uh, what's going on over there. So, where are you from?
1: Oh, man. That's a tough question (laughs) for me. (laughs) I was born in Atlanta, Georgia although I don't really have any connection to that place. My parents were just living there at the time. I mostly grew up in North Carolina, all over the state. We moved around a lot. Um, And then in my early 20s, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, which I also moved around Arizona quite a bit. Um, But that's that's where I met my wife. That's where my children were born. I kind of feel... I almost feel at this point, I'm sort of 50, 50 from North Carolina and Arizona, Mm. but I've been in Los Angeles for eight years now too. So I'm kind of from a lot of different places.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in all of that traveling, all that time that you spent kind of moving back and forth to a couple of different places, when did you have the solidified idea that you were going to become an artist? Was that something that you had from an early age or did that come later in life?
1: yeah i think there were little sparks very early on the first time i remember wanting to be an actor i was about five and i was watching a tom cruise movie and i honestly i don't know which movie it was i think it was um i think it might have been risky business where he's dancing around in his underwear oh
0: yeah that's the one like
1: (laughs) you know as a kid i was like man that looks like a really fun job (laughs) i think i would like doing that and then i sort of just put that on the back burner for years and then. When I was a teenager, uh, my friends started uh, just making movies on camcorders and stuff like that. And, and I got into that. I got into writing and then people would ask me to act in them. And uh, I would say the major genesis came out of the friends I had when I was a teenager.
0: Oh, I love it when that happens, because you have a built-in group that cheers you on, that kind of gets you to explore really what you're looking for. I felt a lot of that when I was a kid, too what do you call it when you just get people excited about something and then you have to figure it out together and stumble through it and figure those things out. So it seems like everything emanated from the acting perspective or that was the initial creative drive. And then everything, all your other pursuits came alongside that eventually.
1: Probably. Well, maybe writing was first.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Acting has always been something I I kind of fell into. It was weird. I've always had a lot of a lot of creative pursuits and somehow or another acting has been the one that's paid me. Mm. So that's (laughs) the one you want to keep pursuing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So was family, were your parents supportive of these pursuits? How was that growing up for you?
1: My parents are cool and hands off. You know, they, they didn't, um, they certainly didn't discourage it. They didn't really encourage it either um later in life um like after i moved to california mostly they've been very supportive and encouraging but uh for a lot of years it was always something i did uh sort of parallel to a career you know i've had many different lives and i've worked many different jobs and things like that and acting and filmmaking and all these creative pursuits were very much like Something I did on the side until I was in my thirties, really, and then I kind of just—I was making a lot of money part time as an actor. I was working a regular job, and then uh, weekends and sometimes even nights, I would either go make a film or I would—I would be in a commercial or, or a, someone else's movie or an industrial film. Um, I have—I was set up with a few different companies in Arizona who made like educational films. Ah. Uh-huh. And, uh, I did a lot of those. I, I, I have no idea how many I did, but I did a lot. I did those all the time. So like um,
0: corporate training videos and educational stuff for private entities and stuff yes. like that. Okay.
1: yeah, A yeah, lot yeah. of stuff like that. Sometimes for the government, I worked for one company who had a lot of government contracts. So we would do like, um, oh, just like sexual harassment, education, sure, video, sure. um, uh, <laughs> Compliance videos, training videos—you mm. know—we uh, we did uh, stuff for medical, mm. everything you can think of. <laughs> we did it, and
0: yeah. Now I'm curious about the way that you've been able to balance this because, as we all know, it's very tough to carve a life out of the creative pursuits and pay the bills and and take care of family, especially mm. with family. I mean, it's just such a an important part of one's life. And may I ask how that's come together for you now? Because, as you said, that's taken a bit of time to coalesce into what it is now. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, number one, super awesome wife, super (laughs) duper supportive partner, you know, um, my wife believed in me before I even did, Mm. you know, she used to, when we were living in Arizona, you know, I would kind of like drop little hints. Like I wanted to move to California and she would say, let's just do it. (laughs) And it took me years to understand that she was serious.
0: Mm. Why is that? Why is that? Do you think?
1: Seem too good to be true, maybe.
0: Mm. Well, it's it's very exciting to hear that because uh, maybe that's a recurring theme or something that's required for folks who want to go into the arts is you need to have a partner who will back you up to the end. If not, you're just setting yourself up for failure. I think from what I've gathered,
1: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd be way better off by yourself than with a partner who wasn't supportive,
0: mm-hmm. for sure. And especially with kids, too. I I'm fascinated with uh with this idea of being able to pass on your creativity to your children. I come from a family of artists. My my grandpa was a musician, my dad and, and my mom's family, all musicians, creative people. Mm. And I, I'm just I'm curious how you feel about this particular lifestyle and whether you feel that it's important to pass it on to your children in some way. Do you ever do you think about that stuff?
1: All the time. Constantly, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never explicitly um pushed them into being artists um and they're not always uh terribly artistic but then especially lately i'm seeing stuff come through where i should i should step back a little bit my daughter is very uh-huh. artistic and always has been <laughs> my son uh takes after his mother and that he's a little more into sports ah uh, okay but he has he definitely has an artistic side to him he has been tasked with writing poetry at school many times over the years and it always comes out really, really good. Yeah. I have poems of his that he wrote in first and second grade. And I, I find them every once in a while when I'm going through my stuff and I look at them and I think, man, this would have been good if an adult wrote it.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) he just has, he has that uh, perhaps ability to just look at something and, and break it apart in some way. Right. And, and make it a little bit more, specific you know than what we normally see yeah i think he's
1: just capable of approaching it like a child
0: Mm -hmm. unfiltered unbridled and not as beaten down as most of us (laughs) or or as jaded exactly yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and I, i i think it applies to just about anything that you want to pursue because if you have kids as an example there they remind you right where you have your kid who's just naturally open and you feel like you have to channel back to that place, especially after once had so many battles as an adult to get to do what oh, they yeah. love. You know, it's nice to have that. But how did you segue into movies from corporate work and and from these kind of uh, more, I guess, practical acting applications to, to performing in, in films? Because I was checking out your IMDb. You've done a whole bunch of different movies and stuff. What was that transition like for you? Was it an organic one or did you have to willingly? leave a part of an industry to join the other one to join a different sector of it i should say
1: i kind of both of those things happen it has been very organic it's been a very long road um i think my first imdb credit is from like 2007 maybe but i i mean that already at that point was years into me doing this Uh uh-huh so I've been doing it for a long time. Um, there was a point, you know, when I moved here, I had been working for a company in Arizona. There was this amazing woman in Arizona named Diane who uh, who started this company that made these videos that I was talking about a few minutes ago. And she came from, she's a SAG actor herself, and she came from a, a very creative background. And her entire philosophy for this company was to make, uh to make training videos cinematic to make Mm -hmm. them tell stories to make them you know authentic and to make them more like movies and she did a very good job with that and she was kind enough to keep me on board sort of as a contractor when i first moved here um but you know especially at the time i think it was around 2014 2015 it was kind of a little bit harder to make distance working work and stuff like that and a lot of their business stayed in arizona so i did kind of make a split from them uh into full-time just doing yeah the more i guess uh artistic right right movie. i guess
0: that's that's kind of at the end of the spectrum right so i was going to ask you about extra work did you do any of that stuff or did you immediately jump once, to like oh yeah how was that for you
1: once it was uh it was good and bad it was very <laughs> weird it's a different world a lot of people kind of don't treat you that well as an extra. You're not, it's not a real, very respected position, but I will say that it, uh, it pays and it pays over time. Mm-hmm. And I met a few very cool people doing it and I made, I made some money, you know? Yeah.
0: And that's always nice, right? Where maybe you, you start to get some feelers in that way in, into the industry and especially coming from out of town. Did you feel that, uh, you were able to, start creating your own community when you made it to, uh, to Los Angeles or, or how did that work for you creating that group?
1: That's a good question. I, I thought that would happen <laughs> and it, so far it hasn't. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to meet people here, especially, uh, when I moved here, I had young children oh, yeah. and I was kind of tied to being here at night. So I couldn't, um, I couldn't go out and do the whole bar and nightlife type thing. Like schmoozing and, and, and
0: networking,
1: all that stuff. Yeah, I couldn't do that. And and maybe at this point, I'm kind of glad because my, my tribe ended up becoming my family. You know, my wife mm-hmm. and children are my tribe, and I like that. I wouldn't want it any other way. Oh,
0: yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. I, I always find that I go back to the quote by Francis Ford Coppola where he said that the moment he had a family, the moment he started, you know, having kids was the moment that he felt his films were better. He felt that his life had uh, a sort of a more of a purpose. And obviously that doesn't apply to everyone, but uh, definitely for me, it felt like my art kind of got better, <laughs> you know, the moment I, I had a, a child and, uh, you know, my family. Really oh, I didn't know
1: you had a kid.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a nine-year-old kid. He's, uh, you know, the amazing and uh yeah i'm married and i love i love being a dad you know i love being a husband it's it's what really ah, kind of keeps me uh keep me going but i admire that i love that. hearing that yeah because you know i want to ask you how do you sleep <laughs> that was my main question you know getting anything done with kids is always just kind of a, a marvel in and of itself so how do you do it what's your schedule like they
1: they're a little bit older now my son is 13 my daughter's 9 and both of them are very precocious they i mean my son has been walking himself to and from school since like the 4th grade wow um they they get up in the morning they do a lot for themselves they wash their own dishes you know they they're very <laughs> well
0: that's the way to do uh, they're, it right? they're
1: very advanced children and i don't feel like i don't feel like it's a job anymore you know i'm not i'm not following them around cleaning them up anything i I shouldn't say it's not a job because, you know, I do feel like I see myself as their guide dog through life, you Mm -hmm. know, like I'm there to assist and I'm there to help. uh, And I'm there to answer questions and I'm there for that kind of stuff. Um, And I do help them with whatever they need help with, but it doesn't feel like a a burden anymore. Like when they're little and you're, you're, you're wiping their butts and stuff like that. It's (laughs) like, man, this, this kind of sucks. I hope it pays (laughs) off later. But, yeah. I'm in the stage now where I feel it is it has paid off and it's mm-hmm. not a burden at all. Yeah.
0: That's good to hear because it, it does feel like it gets easier with age and maybe it feels mm-hmm. like the first five years you're you're just trying to survive and then after that you, you get to that point yes. where you can actually enjoy them as human beings. You can have conversations with them. Even now my son's nine and he's like he has opinions. <laughs> he has perspective yeah. on things <laughs> and, and you know, fairly argumentative sometimes, but it is what it is. Um, So now your, your schedule is very much focused again on this craft and this pursuit. So can you tell me about what writing looks like for you? Because I do want to talk about your new book, your new collection, and how that came to be, and in what kind of environment did that book come together for you?
1: oh how honest do i want to be here Uh, (laughs) i mean feel free i love the honesty
0: and uh this is a judgment free zone i tell people there's nothing to worry about here
1: i've always had a love-hate relationship with writing i had a very inspirational english teacher and uh i i had a tumultuous time when i was a teenager i i left regular high school and i ended up going to high school at a community college and Mm -hmm. i had uh, a really great teacher there named Miss Phillips, uh, creative writing and English teacher. And she called me the writer who doesn't write because she <laughs> she loved my writing when I did write. But oftentimes I would, uh, you know, yeah. fail to turn in the assignments. And that's kind of a theme that has stuck around for me to this day. You know, I write in spurts. I, mm-hmm. I've tried the, like, you know, the, like, Steve and Pressfield just show up, you know, just just start writing you know away. open a document and start typing i've yeah. done that i've done thousands of pages of that and it i've never been happy with what comes out when i do that ever not mm-hmm. once um but if i just live my life there are times when i am just compelled like there's an overwhelming sense of like you need to sit down and write right now mm-hmm. and i listen to that call more and more as i get older and it works out for me most of the time when that happens i end up liking what i write and these poems my children had had picked up just saying imagine all the time you probably know as a father they they get these phrases from school you know and they come home and they are just constantly you know they're imagine this imagine that imagine 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 and i just thought I started thinking in my head, like, imagine a world, like the old trailer voice, like, imagine a world where, <laughs> you know. And something told me just like open a document and start writing. And so I laid down the bubble bath and I opened a document and I wrote, imagine a world. And then I started typing and it came out sort of in stanza form, like mm-hmm. poetry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, this is kind of fun. I was enjoying it, and uh, so I ended up writing the whole book in the Bubble Bath.
0: Oh wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not that day, but over the next uh I don't know how long it took me to write it, maybe two weeks. Mm. Uh, but I wrote every day in that period, and I planned on doing nothing with it. I was just I was enjoying myself, I was having fun, I was amusing myself. that's uh I am my audience when I write, and if I can make myself laugh or amuse myself in any way uh i'm succeeding you know and and i got done writing the and and i sent my wife uh the pdf and she came she came back to where i was i don't know an hour or two later and she was like uh that was fun where'd you get it where do i get more (laughs) and i was like oh hmm yeah she didn't know it was mine oh you know i just i sent it to her (laughs) unattributed i was just like hey read this So when she said she liked it and she wanted to know where she could get more, I thought that's when I thought, oh, maybe I should publish these.
0: Mm. Interesting. Because it's kind of like if you begin your writing project with this mindset of this has to be seen by everyone, this has to be a production or something larger than just my own enjoyment, it it sort of fizzles away or there's this almost fear Mm -hmm. of what kind of content you're creating. But I do love that. Even though you you receive this sort of inspiration to get the work done and to start writing it, it created its own uh ritual, its own habit kind of to get it done. like you had to go to the to the bath to kind of get in the zone and go back to that kind of channel that I thought that was kind of interesting. so yeah, eventually, from the this initial draft, how did you find the structure of it? What kind of form did this book take after that, like as you were writing it?
1: It's funny you mentioned like when something has to be bigger when you feel something has to be bigger it kind of becomes a roadblock and that Mm -hmm. that is usually what happens to me when i write screenplays you know i get a rough draft out and then i think like oh man like this would cost (laughs) a lot of money to make people's jobs would be on the line, you know and and it it messes me up quite a bit and Mm -hmm. but there's also an instinct in me like the one of the things that attracted me to uh acting and filmmaking is that i really like the concept of artistic collaboration Mm -hmm. i really like just fundamentally philosophically like the idea of multiple people getting together and creating something Mm -hmm. um so I always think when I'm screenwriting or or writing something big like that, like how how are other people gonna interface with this? And I and I take those things into consideration and I want other people's opinions to see if this is working or that's working. I didn't I don't do that with my poetry at all.
0: Mm.
1: Whatsoever. I've carved out a space for myself to just be as weird as I wanna be, to just be as as free and as loose and as uninhibited as I want to be. And so, I think the answer to your question is that I didn't. I didn't do anything <laughs> special to bring this together into yeah, any but, kind of form. This is a pretty raw and unfiltered. Yeah, but uh, I, work. I
0: do, I do love that because you know how to switch gears in a sense. And I more more come from the theater background, and so I write plays rather than than screenplays at this point. But mm. it still feels like there's that that kind of chemistry that a screenplay or a play requires, where this is going to be a blueprint for somebody else to kind of take over and, and build into something else. But yeah. I appreciate that because you come back as a poet or, you know, as a fiction writer, whatever it is that, that you're kind of doing on your own. And then you can really let loose and just say, this is for me. This is for me. Right. And absolutely. how does, um, I guess I, I was going to ask you just to kind of digress a little bit into, into filmmaking, how, has, uh, production been for you? Have you written work that has been produced in whether it's a short film or larger film, whatever, have you had work that, that you've written or directed or just written and passed on to somebody else?
1: It's been a while. I did a lot of that. When I lived in Arizona, I made short films. Um, I made a little web series. Um, believe it or not, it's LA is probably one of the worst places to do that. (laughs) 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 because the people here who can do it are, are typically in a union. Um, so it's, you can't really hire them just to go make your movie on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then as far as getting locations, it's almost impossible unless you have enough money, you know, anybody within 50 or a hundred miles of here knows that they can charge you exorbitant fees for locations, you know, (laughs) whereas, uh, in other places I've lived, You just poke your head into a burger shop and you're like, hey, can we shoot a movie here? And they're like, yeah, get the logo. Yeah.
0: That's the story of my life. You know, like uh, no budget, micro budget, deficit budget.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of my life in Arizona. I did that. You know, if I wasn't working, I was doing that or trying to do it or planning to do it or, you know, Mm -hmm. or editing something I did like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, gee, if I'm doing this much here, I'll do a lot more in Los Angeles, and yeah. the opposite has been true. Yeah, and it strikes um, me
0: as the the lifestyle tends to get a little bit more complicated once you're in L.A. Once you're living in a city of that size and things like that. But I'm curious, just to kind of get a sense of the climate for any aspiring filmmaker or anyone who's looking to to produce their own work, which I I am a fan of. Do you think that that's even worth it at this point, or is it? now more of a battle of submitting your screenplays and and praying that you get some attention because i don't know that the short film has enough weight anymore in the way that it used to do you think that's the case or
1: i don't know anything i mean <laughs> uh but if i were to speculate i i would say do your do your thing do your work if you want to make a short film make it i i mean when i came out here i knew uh playing the audition lottery was probably not the best uh path forward for me Mm -hmm. and i think similarly for a for a pure writer uh playing the playing the game of like submitting to all these uh, contests and festivals and stuff like that if you enjoy that process and you enjoy doing that do it but i mean if there's anything in you that that wants to make a film i would say do that
0: yeah yeah no i love that response because at the end of the day we don't really have A choice but to do what we have to do right to do what feels right in our creative uh, impulse
1: yeah forward momentum like you have to move forward and and do something don't don't just pitch it out to into the void and wait (laughs) very likely nothing will come back from the void
0: (laughs) i love that you said moving forward just as i wanted to go back i do want to want to go back for just a moment to your your time in high school you mentioned that You had some difficult times. Uh, What was it that, if if I may pry, and please let me know if if I'm you know going too far in here, but I'm just curious uh, if there was a situation where you found yourself in a dark spot and creativity got you out, or if there was ever any correlation with the arts helping you during a difficult time.
1: My biggest inspiration at that point in my life was my best friend, uh, Justin made me laugh, M- made me laugh, <laughs> <laughs> made me want to make other people laugh. Um, he had a very dark sense of humor. A, uh, a girl dumped me once and I was just feeling absolutely terrible. And, uh, uh, my friend, Justin is a, is a Incredible cartoonist. You know, he can he can draw anything and and make it look good and funny. And so he drew a cartoon of uh this uh this is probably a very politically incorrect topic these days, but I'm just gonna state the facts. He drew a cartoon, he drew he filled out a page with about 12 different cartoons on it, and each one was a different way I could kill myself to get over this breakup. And I I thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. It was probably in my life, one of the hardest I've ever laughed and one of the most cathartic laughs I've ever had, Yeah, you know, and yeah. that really did a lot to snap me out of of depression and feeling terrible and, and feeling low. And he's, uh, he was definitely my biggest inspiration at that point in my life. Now it's my wife and children. Um, but we're still friends. Oh, good. <laughs>
0: that's, that's good to hear. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I do feel that Sometimes you need that person who knows you best, who knows what the edge of your sort of like where you actually live emotionally to to go yeah. in and pluck you out of that place with whatever means necessary yeah. to bring you back down to earth and you know, it's admirable, but like you said, yeah, it's it's something that works for specific people a lot of the time. Yeah, so, no, I do yeah, not. Please, yeah. any
1: any aspiring cartoonist out there, <laughs> do not draw your friends committing suicide. <laughs> suicide is not funny. It's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am a very weird person. No, but I, but you know, I was able to laugh at that.
0: And this is just to say that I appreciate that because it just demonstrates that that is a special bond. That is somebody who who was with oh, you yeah. through thick and thin. And uh, it does remind me of a lot of my friends who would do similar things to get me out of, uh, you know, difficult situations at the time. Yeah. Yeah. He
1: had that. um, He had a boldness to him. Like when uh, my grandfather died, my mom's my mom's dad, my mom was really, really upset. And and Justin came over and. And he, he started doing an impression of my grandfather you know of of my grandfather's ghost he started talking as my grandfather's ghost and oh, my man. my mother was just crying and laughing at the same time <laughs> really hard and uh and I think it was it was the same sort of cathartic laugh for her you know like yeah. maybe I don't know maybe it's a family thing i just i need to laugh at the worst times
0: yeah yeah i find myself doing that a lot <laughs> I usually don't don't go out in public anymore just because I I just make an ass of myself and they're like what are you what are you laughing at? I'm just, you know, I laugh when I'm nervous. I'm sorry. Uh, but They do. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's sweet I think because it is a gift, right? To go to the darkest place and bring a little bit of light in your own way and and
1: manifest it oh, in, in such a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if I tried to do that, I would offend the person, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, it, it takes <laughs> no a very- No doubt in my mind, I would lose that friend.
0: <laughs> hey, Eli, you there?
1: We're live.
0: So just wanted to remind you of the, uh, the micro budget or budget deficit, as we were talking about earlier. That's kind of where I'm at. I, sh- I should pay for the Zoom subscription. <laughs> uh, but I-, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Um, oh, no yeah. okay. problem. Do you have some works of art that really inspired you at that time, that made you feel like you could do this, or that that really kind of knocked you off your feet in a way?
1: I think the first movie that I saw that made me want to write movies was Clerks.
0: What is it about Clerks that that did it for you?
1: Two guys, you know, hanging out at a convenience store, just <laughs> talking. Firing off at the mouth, you know, was very relatable to a teenager uh, from a small town in the 90s. Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) I I recognized myself and my friends in that,
0: Mm.
1: you know, and I think, I don't think I'm by any means alone in that. I think Clerks inspired my whole generation, you know, Mm. Clerks and uh, Kevin Smith's movies and Quentin Tarantino movies, you know, for the longest time god for the first like 15 years i was making movies i felt like every indie filmmaker was just trying to make reservoir dogs again
0: yeah yeah you know,
1: like, it, it seemed like <laughs> six guys in a room through, like, yeah up through the aughts you know it was like it was like all right we're gonna make an indie film we need some suits we need some suitcases and we need some guns
0: and we need a finger getting cut off or something you know like so, something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think that exemplifies your style a little bit to this day or or how would you define the types of, of things that you write about now?
1: I'm still looking for my style and I think I probably always will be, you know, I I'm hard to pin down uh, as a person. I think my, my work is always going to be hard to pin down. I like a lot of things. I have a broad range of interests and hobbies and I always want to leave myself free to write what I feel like writing about at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made, I've made a, a sort of almost horror movie before. I, can't see myself ever doing that again uh-huh. you know but i'm glad i did it yeah you know i've made dark comedies i do see myself making more dark comedies in the future i mm-hmm. i like that yeah um but i've made like lighter comedies i don't see myself probably ever doing that again um but who knows I- i'm very open to discovery and mm-hmm. finding out uh where this journey is going i'm along for the ride of life
0: yeah have you ever surprised yourself like you went beyond even that threshold in a project where you you typed in fade out or end of movie and you realized this is unlike anything i've ever done before and this is the best version of my writing has there ever been a moment like that
1: my book of poetry yeah i like it I, i'm i'm very critical of of my own art usually you know if i make music or or write something i'm i'm just constantly touching it up and constantly trying to make it a little bit better or or i just want to like bury it six feet beneath the earth and forget (laughs) it ever existed you know that's very common for me too but with the poems you know they just came to me so unfiltered i almost don't even feel responsible for them you know i would just open this text document and type of imagine a world and then the poem would come out Mm. you know so i did very 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 little editing on these uh, because when i would read them it would feel almost like I was reading someone else's writing, you know, and from that perspective, it's much easier. I'm much easier on other writers, you know? So I'm like, Hey, this is pretty good.
0: <laughs> right. Right. So it seems like uh, the perfect kind of Eureka moment or, or the moment where you arrived at knowing yourself and your craft enough to just let it be, to let it exist and not interfere so much. But I'm curious, cause you mentioned music. Do you make music on your own? Is this something that's a sort of like poetry where it's, a private endeavor that you you do on your own, or do you bring other people into the fold?
1: Yeah, it's more private. I came to music very late in life. I I tried to learn. I had friends who played guitar when I was a teenager, and I tried to learn, and I was just like, "Oh man, this is not for me. I can't do this." <laughs> uh, and and I actually I grew up thinking that that there had never been a musician in my family, and I've probably told people that a hundred times. You know, nobody in my family's musical. But then, uh, you know, in my 30s, I developed a close relationship with one of my great aunts, hmm. and she is, uh, we're still close, she's 96, oh, wow. and she told me, she started telling me that when the family lived in uh, in Arkansas, when the Godfrey family lived in Arkansas, like in the, I don't know, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, 20s and the 30s, I guess, um it was a huge family lots of cousins and aunts and uncles and all these people and everyone played an instrument the whole family was musical (laughs) you know they would have get-togethers where there'd be a hundred people on this big giant porch you know and they they were all playing a a fiddle or a guitar or a mandolin or or singing you know and um and i found out like there's this whole big huge musical history in my Mm. family and then i started looking back And my own life and realizing how important music has always been to me Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god i'm actually from a very musical family i hadn't i lived most of my life with no idea of that and uh the reason she told me that is because i yeah i had been playing her piano when i would visit her because i i picked up the piano at like I think I was 36 or 37. I just we got a piano for my daughter for piano lessons and she didn't like them. You know, she was like, yeah, know <laughs> whatever. I sat down at it one day and I don't even know why. I just I just sat down at the piano and I touched a couple keys and just instantly I had this feeling like I'm gonna do this the rest of my life. Wow.
0: So do you feel so, that the writing process for songs varies drastically for you? Do you feel that you're channeling something or are you assembling something when you write a something like a song
1: i'm still very much a baby musician you know i i wrote uh i wrote as far as you know words the english language i wrote for 25 plus years before my book of poetry came out i've only been playing piano for about four and a half years mm-hmm. so the things I've written are very, very rudimentary, and there's nothing quite magical has happened yet in that <laughs> realm.
0: <laughs> but it's it's nice because as an actor, I imagine it just builds, builds up the arsenal in that I've always found music to be so closely related to performance and, and how it just makes you a more elastic performer kind of where, where it just kind of like amplifies yes. what you can contribute on screen have you noticed a difference in your performances since you took up music
1: yeah well i um i do dubbing a lot that's my main source of work my main source of income and it's not that rare that a character sings mm. um so i have had to sing in in uh in my dubbing work. And when I first started, when I first started dubbing, uh, roughly around the time I started playing piano, I would have mm. to sing occasionally. And it was just a nightmare. It was like, <laughs> how do I get this out? You know, but now um, when a character sings, I just fire it off. And I'm not a great singer, you know, but I kind of know what I'm doing and I have a good time doing it. And that's helped a lot. And I think just, I've developed my singing voice along with my piano skills, which has helped develop my speaking voice, which is, you know, the number one tool as a, vo- you know, the only tool really you have as a voice actor yeah. is your speaking yeah. voice. So yeah, I think music has been a huge help mm. for do, that.
0: Do you think at this point you prefer dubbing and audio voice work more than an actual performance? Or is that not something that, that is uh comparable, like it's all part of one thing?
1: i think well i definitely think dubbing is a performance you know it's uh it's a live performance it's the only kind of acting where you don't get a script ahead of time you don't there is no rehearsal you don't know um what scenes you're doing you don't you know on the first day of a project you don't even know what character you're playing you know the studio (laughs) says hey come in at this time we're starting this project you know and it's Mm -hmm it's a Turkish movie or it's a Japanese TV series or it's a telenovela or whatever it is. And I get there and they're like, okay, you're playing this guy. He does this. He has this, you know, quirk and go. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you kind of, uh, you watch the scene and you read it and you perform it sort of all at the same time. It's very, uh, wow. it's harder. It's a lot harder than people think, you know, everybody has seen bad acting and dubbing, it's because it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that just sounds difficult.
0: Yeah. If they're just throwing you out there to the, to the wolves, as it were. I mean, I, I can't imagine balancing all of those things. Has there been a, a, a time when you were doing this work phrases, when you felt like I really messed up, what was the takeaway for that? Or, or what happened in the aftermath of a failure?
1: I would say that happened to me roughly every time I worked in the first three years or so. Oh, man. <laughs> it's very much like, um, I, dubbing's a weird world, man. We could easily do an hour on dubbing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is it, it is my favorite thing I've ever done, um, but it is a very weird, weird world. And yes, there were many times I came away in the first couple years thinking, oh, my God. I hope nobody in the United States ever sees that <laughs> <laughs> or hears that my first project ever was a video game mm. and you know I I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing but I went for it you know and and they called me back and I kept working and slowly over the years I developed a confidence in front of the microphone you know speaking into a microphone is is a skill into itself Mm -hmm. you know you have to learn how to do that and uh the only way to learn is to put the hours in you know uh most people have no idea how difficult dubbing is (laughs) a lot of people a lot of actors do it once and they're like oh i'm never doing that again." (laughs) you know but it's for some reason i just kept saying yes to myself Mm -hmm. and and yes uh you know when when people would ask me to work on these jobs and the more i said yes the better i got and the more they asked me to do it you know and i i do it constantly now and i love it
0: oh that's great to hear have you picked up any uh behind the scenes skills in terms of audio production you know given that you've done some music stuff on your own and and with the dubbing do you have to prepare files is that something that you normally work on or do you have to deliver raw production files for whoever is putting them together. How does that work?
1: Um, 95% of the time I go into a studio and I just do oh, the okay. performance. There's a director and an engineer there and, and they take they care take of all care that, of that stuff.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah.
1: Lovely. At, at the beginning of the pandemic, well, like during all the lockdowns, I would work from home mm. and I know how to use Adobe Audition. So, You're you know, pretty I, comfortable I with that. Yeah, I'm fairly comfortable with that. And I could record myself or have my wife record me. and. Mm send that in and then they would do whatever they do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I got a couple more questions just to be mindful of your time, what you got going on, but I would love to keep talking to you all day, every day about dubbing and writing and all kinds of fun stuff, maybe down the road, you know, uh, you can come back on, but I'm curious. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. What are you looking forward to this year? Any creative projects or things on the horizon that you're really hyped about?
1: i am working on developing an audio show i'm i'm trying i'm i'm writing an audio um science fiction i want it to be sort of an episodic planet of the week thing yeah um i'm a big star trek fan i love the orville you know i want it to be in tone probably more similar to the orville where it's serious but there are plenty of comic relief moments (laughs) um and, and that's what, that's the big project I'm focused on right now. Oh, great. Great.
0: I'm excited yeah. to hear how that unfolds. Just uh, keep us posted. I'll make sure to keep checking on your Twitter. Make sure that I don't miss anything on that. Cause I love the process of putting something like that together. It just uh, sounds pretty awesome. So I wish you the best on that. Um, Thank you. Lastly. Okay. Two more questions. Um what are you listening to right now? What are you enjoying right now that you would recommend to somebody else, whether it's a movie, whether it's a music, an album, work of art that is, is jumpstarting you once again?
1: Oh, wow. That is a great question. I'm always listening to a lot of music. Let me look at my recent music. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: I love that. And this is a very selfish question. I have to say, I need to to get new stuff. I'm still in 1997. So
1: okay um let me see how quickly i can sum this up because my musical journey has been a long one i grew up listening to classic rock i got into more like weirder stuff in my 20s and then in my 30s i got into jazz Mm. um and i've mostly been listening to jazz for the last several years but sometime last year i realized that i know enough about music now that i can appreciate all this guitar work that was in classic rock that Mm. I didn't appreciate when i was listening to it when i was younger so i'm going back now and i'm listening to Jimi hendrix and uh the allman brothers and people like that and picking up on like why this guitar work was so special i didn't understand it the first time around you know Mm -hmm. i was very into the lyrics when i was growing up i was i would get the album and i would pull the thing out and and just put it on and read the lyrics as i was listening (laughs) and i think i didn't even hear the instruments sometimes i would just hear the words but now I'm I'm way more into music. Um and I'm I'm really appreciating guitar. Mm. I don't play guitar, but I'm really appreciating listening <laughs> to it.
0: Yeah, my favorite instrument. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. And Jimi Hendrix, that's just a wonderful time. I love that yeah. because we underestimate the impact of jazz in our contemporary and I guess contemporary in terms of like the last seventy years, right? You know, there's just such a huge impact on uh our favorite music. So Good to hear. Good to hear. I'll have to go back and listen to some Hendrix, you know, now. Um, Lastly, lastly, I want to ask you, what have the arts and your craft in particular done for you in your journey all these years and primarily for your quality of life? What have the arts offered you and why should we invest in them?
1: I feel like it's been everything for me. You know i I've done the corporate uh, the corporate America jobs, and I, I don't hate that world. I, I think it's necessary in a lot of ways. A lot of those jobs, somebody needs to do them, but I realized through doing them that I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not the one who needs to do those jobs. Um, I need to, I need to write and and act and express myself that way. You know I think i found uh, who I'm supposed to be. Through the arts, you know, and I think I honestly believe that had I stayed in in a regular commuter job, um, I would be a worse husband. I would be a worse father, um, and and so the inf- the inverse is also true. You know, because I've pursued this, I, I think that gives me the capacity to be a better partner to my wife, a better father to my children. You know a better member of my community i thankfully i have time to volunteer and do stuff like that Mm. um so it's been literally everything for me there's not a part of my life that hasn't been touched by the arts and my pursuit of the arts you know it's it's something i always wanted to do it's something that seemed very unrealistic and pie in the sky when i was younger Um, but I, I just kept at it little by little and, and doing it now is, is everything I ever hoped it would be. So I'm, I'm doing it for myself and, and all my friends who were younger and wanted to do it as well.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a beautiful note. Yeah.
0: Oh man. I love that. That's a beautiful note to end on. And Eli, I want to thank you so much because it's been a pleasure I loved your stories. I love your perspective. And it really is inspiring. And like I said, most of this is uh, an opportunity for me to get hyped up again and and feel like uh, there is possibility in this world that is currently on fire. So I thank you so much. And please keep me posted on your latest projects so that maybe we can come back and talk again a little bit further down the road, because we just scratch the surface with you. There's so much going on. Oh, that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe. I would
1: love to come back. I, I love the show. I've been listening. I listen to you talk to some of your old personal friends. Oh, I listen thanks, to you man. talk to one of your old college friends and I love it. I love what you're doing. I think it's an awesome thing that you're, you're talking to people just about art in general. You know, it's, it's a good thing.
0: Oh, thanks man. Much appreciated. But I hope we can talk real soon. I'm going to let you go, but thanks again for everything, man. I really can't wait to read your work, and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. All right, man. Take care.